0: Hello there, welcome to Rome FM. Here we dive into the minds, workflows, and machinations of the Rome cult, the believers of Rome research. My name is Norman Chella, and I am on a mission to deconstruct wisdom from all walks of life so we can understand each other better. In this episode, we talk with Tracy Winchell, who is the Founder of Roman Journal, a teacher of daily journaling practices to others, Tracy is a very self-introspective person when it comes to facing ourselves in writing. And when introduced to Rome, she has started implementing the tool into journaling and really resurfacing up previous emotions, previous struggles, previous memories in order to strive towards a future intended version of herself. So in this episode, we talked quite A lot about life in the dark times before stumbling into Rome Research The Tool, our relationship with the creator or a higher power, the intricacies of daily journaling and how Tracy approaches it both in her coaching practice as well as comments and conversations with other people, the three selves and how should we confront or even interact with them and much more. Just to let you know that there is a part one and part two to this episode because there are some technical difficulties. So halfway through, you might hear a little bit of a disconnect, but I will let you know. So without further ado, let's dive into my chat with Tracy Winchell, the founder of Roman Journals.
1: Well, I'm in Western Arkansas and so I'm about 20 miles from the Oklahoma border. Okay. So this is the Old West, and I live in a rural community. There yep. are more cows and horses than there are humans in this little town. So it, it should be quiet, except that we're about 10 miles from a National Guard training facility, and they fire artillery. And they happen to be firing artillery today. And so if you hear a boom, um, we're not under attack. It's just normal.
0: <laughs> uh I will uh I-, I will leave that in there because I think that will set the precedence for a very fascinating conversation. <laughs> it's just casually having artillery Blowing things up in the background while we are talking about Rome. So, quite excited it, for this. <laughs> it,
1: it is, it's probably 20 miles away on a military reservation, but you can feel it under your feet.
0: Oh, so, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you get a Rows lot of shaking
0: sometimes. Ah, yeah. okay. Wow. And you know
1: what? Since COVID, we haven't had a lot. So, it's something that I'm, we normally just, well, you know, they're training over there. But it's been so long since I've heard it that today I've been going, whoa. <laughs> so when I was a reporter years and years ago, I spent a lot of time out there uh, um, covering just the the war games so i have a really good understanding of what's going on out there and we actually went out a couple of years ago and we fired those guns my, my mom and i did and so it's pretty normal it's not a you know it's not a scary big crazy thing i know I, I used to know a lot of those guys it's been a long time though
0: wait did you just say you used to fire them as in, you I did just...
1: once. Okay. My mom did once. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: one time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what an interesting start to this. We are, we're, well, we're, welcome to the show because uh, there's nothing more fascinating than being told that, uh, that you fired artillery or at least uh, you have been dabbling. In the usage of large guns. So that's that's always been interesting. So if we're going that far back, it might as well in the context of uh, doing a little time travel and really looking back at the dark times, which is what I would call anything and everything before Rome. From firing tons of guns or large guns uh, as a reporter in war games to now, uh, what is really your origin story? How did you actually... Stumble upon this tool of Rome and started on this journey of doing um, journals in Rome because that's quite a jump from you know being a reporter in in war games to uh,
1: oh well there's just so much more to to that um, please <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally ended up uh, in front of a microphone I I, I worked in radio and. Uh, just doing production work, and and one of the guys said, man, you have a great voice. If you'd lose the accent, we'd put you on the air. So (laughs) I worked really hard on my voice. You know, this is 1984, so obviously I've gotten some or a lot of that accent back. Um, But I ended up on the air and was, um, like, sick into the trash can every time I keyed the mic there for a few Saturdays. Uh, Then I saw, I I was always going to be in television. I was never going to be on television. That became an experiment. I moved to Meridian, Mississippi from Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, got my first on-air job. And then I moved home to Arkansas, uh, the Fayetteville area, which is in the shadows of Walmart. And it just turned out that uh, this guy, uh, who was the Governor, who everybody knew decided to run for president? And so I got to cover pieces of Bill Clinton's first campaign. I was there when he announced, and I was there uh, the night that he won. And that wasn't even the most fun part of my my journalism experience. But I'll fast forward after Clinton was inaugurated. I decided, okay, it doesn't get any better than this. And I decided I would do the next logical thing for my career, which is to go into the financial services industry. So I did that for nine years and dabbled back in radio because, man, I love Radio Norman. It's just so much fun. So I, I did some uh, financial services like stock reporting and stuff like that. But I also had a, a, a night shift at KMAG, a country station. We were good. So after nine years of that, I decided to do something different. So the next logical progression was to go to work for a local municipal government in special projects, and I eventually became the communications manager. Uh, After 12 years, uh, as happens in local government, um, elected officials use their prerogative to say, we're going to shake things up and a whole bunch of us uh, were either retired early or uh, were just let go. And my position was eliminated. And so ever since I've been working for myself,
0: Oh, wow. Okay. This is uh, quite a roller coaster ride of events uh, leading up to now. And well, you've had, you've touched on all these fields, and I see that you still dabbled in radio like over and over again and coming back in. And now you're yeah. working for yourself. What are you working on right now, now that you're working for yourself?
1: Well, I started a podcast uh, called the reboots podcast where we're in right now it's, it's dormant. I've done a couple of episodes this year, but I'm, I'm working on this Rome project and journaling inside Rome. So I've hit the pause button on the, the podcasting, but I thought it would be interesting to talk to people about um changes that they have either chosen in their lives or careers or that they have been forced to make in their lives or careers so i've done oh i'm probably at a hundred interviews or so i've got several more in the can i just need to publish them but it's been a fascinating journey to uh learn about how people have made changes they've been forced to make changes or they've chosen changes and pretty often when we're forced to make changes we may not realize it but we have another choice to go along with that is it like how are we going to respond to that so what I, what I've learned through all of that is that almost every positive change we make in our life in our in our life or our career revolves around a decision in in recovery, we call that a moment of clarity. And then we make a series of daily and sometimes moment to moment choices to back up that decision. So it's this whole concept of one day at a time.
0: And through this podcast, you are on this mission to advocate for that one day at a time mindset, or at least the pursuit of that or trying to uncover that from each and every guest. How did that result in you discovering Rome the Tool?
1: Uh, Well, everything else that's logical in this life, Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) When I first started podcasting, um, I decided I wanted to be everywhere in social media and it was too much. And late 2019, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do one thing well. And I put my Facebook account on pause. It was still there. I just chose not to look at it every day. And I put my Instagram on pause. I put my podcast Twitter account on pause so that the only thing I was doing was hanging out on my personal Twitter account. I met my dear friend, Steve Austin, that way a year or so before. And I figure, well, that's where lasting changes occur. My Facebook account is where I have my real friends, but my real, real, real friends have my phone number and they can send me a text. So real relationships weren't happening on Facebook. Real relationships started happening on Twitter, and I can't even remember where I first saw someone talk about Rome. I just know Hmm. that my first Rome entry was on my way into town. My mom was driving. My first Rome entry said something like, interesting, what is this thing? Oh. And then... I don't think I messed with it very much for a while after that, but there was a progression through anonymous's videos, some uh, shoe Omi videos. And then I started following Connor and I thought he was fascinating and that there must be something to this. And then There was just this snowball effect. I really liked the people who hashtagged Rome cult. They were interesting and engaging. They were curious and kind. And there was just this oasis in the middle of a pandemic that intrigued me and energized me. And so it was the people of Rome that I decided, if I'm going to hang out with these people, I need to figure this thing out.
0: Mm, okay, this is interesting because it was only after you saw the community interacting with each other and after you've seen proof of their curiosity or their pursuit of intellectual engagement Or even just the strangeness or the interesting personality of Connor himself that you decided upon yourself, wow, I should dive deep into this tool more often because there has to be some sort of commonality and that commonality is this tool and it's just a matter of really just uncovering that or discovering that. Would you say that the decision to pause or to make all the other social media platforms for yourself inactive to be considered a moment of clarity because you've now realized or you've now clarified a place for you to want to belong to because that is the place where these interesting people are is that
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so.
0: I like that sure. because that's a, that's a really great like reflection of one's character especially when we look at the different discussions between Rome cult if you just follow the hashtag it's an amazing rabbit hole where everybody who's using the hashtag is just willing to add to the conversation and is willing to add to the curiosity and as someone for looking from outside looking in going like oh i i want to be part of this uh makes it really attractive from there you chose the direction of the roman journal or at least through Hmm. rome the angle at which you decide to you know Give back to the conversation or add to the conversation is self introspection, which is a huge topic that I would love to dive into uh, from your angle. Uh, why did you pick that topic?
1: Well, because uh, it was working for me. It was it was the thing that most engaged me on, uh, about Rome, and you know, the interesting thing is is that I have done the Evernote thing. I have done. I've tried the Second Brain. Piece. I tried DevonThink, and and once I started to understand, oh, wait, Rome lets me throw things to my future self. Wow, Rome lets me naturally do all of these linking things that I was trying to do in DevonThink, but instead it just became a Pile of junk that I threw things into and got so overwhelmed with that I didn't know what to do with it. So the community kind of got me there, but I started to see the power of Rome in some of my journaling techniques. And, and gosh, uh, Les Christophs, those kids with their, with their amazing Rome tutorials on YouTube, simplified things for me and one of the girls posted how she journals when she's upset she calls it in my feels and i can't tell you off the top of my head exactly what that technique is like but i realized oh my goodness, I can take some of my journaling techniques that I use, that I rotate through, and that I teach others how to do, I can put that into my Rome database and I can practice with that. And what it became was a way for me to communicate with myself in in written form so I struggle with negative self-talk, like, oh, you idiot, you goofball, what'd you do that for, kind of thing. When I'm encouraging myself, I'm usually talking to Mr. Winchester, my 13-year-old shih tzu, like, hey, Winnie, maybe we should try this, or blah, blah, you know. Well, now Rome lets me just put that kind of conversation and through my fingertips into my Rome database it helps me tell myself the truth and uncover lies and so I'm thinking if this is working for me why wouldn't it work for the people of Rome and so yeah this is something I can give back to because I've taught it before outside Rome and I still teach it outside Rome but now then I'm finding success with it in Rome, so yeah, let's start giving back.:
0: Oh, I love this. Because beyond the tutorials of adding in queries or creating complicated diagrams, or, you know, business models and whatnot, th- those are great, and those are useful. But what I really like about this is that you are touching on the most humane aspect that Rome can provide and that is a platform for us to talk to ourselves the single most powerful conversation we can ever have with anyone is the one where the partner that we're talking to is the mirror it's just us right what do we write down as a reflection of who we were before and what are we sending to to our future self so that either their serendipity or their connection or the result from those two people, like those two persons of yourself meet in the future. Can they meet and can they be friends or can they meet and can the past self help with coping with the negativity of the future self or something along those lines?
1: Yeah. I, I just done an interview uh, just prior to, to uh, the, the, the pandemic. I just done an interview with Ben Hardy and he was doing a crazy podcast tour, and I was lucky enough to snag him uh, ahead of his book, Personality Isn't Permanent. And I walked him through the chapters of the book as a reflection of the entire serenity prayer, not just the first three lines, but the entire serenity prayer. The real power of the serenity prayer is the last few stanzas, not just the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So I walked him through all of that. And Ben said, you know, one of the most powerful things we can do is learn that our three selves are different people and to recognize them as such and to make peace with them. So when Rome came around and I realized I can project to my future self and pretty quickly go back and review my past self and celebrate those victories and be reminded that I made it through the struggle of anxiety or depression or frustration. Well, now that I'm living out what Ben is talking about, and that's what journaling is about, it's just that Rome makes it even more intuitive and easier to just call up a review when we need it. It's not a process of going through my notebook and sitting down with it. Um, I know a lot of people do that and I want to want to do regular reviews, but I don't. I do (laughs) just-in-time reviews. Like, you know, um, Tracy, you answered this question t- this morning, almost like you did the last one. Well, now I'm going to go back and have a look at my backlinks and figure out what's going on there.
0: Yeah, I look at it as the different steps in wanting to make the comparisons between either your future self or your present self or your past self. Rome is really good at outsourcing the recall part of it, which is the, yeah. initial, the, the initial obstacle. Which is also the biggest obstacle in that if we were trying to do this manually on pen and paper, and like you, I would have notebooks. I think I have a drawer back there that has all my notebooks from four to five years ago. I can totally do everything that Rome can do. But the amount of time, the amount of effort, the chaos and mess that you have to go through and the ability to articulate it in these contexts. And in this case, it will be these notebooks. Where was I when I was writing these, et cetera. as opposed to one standard or consistent environment, like a Rome graph. Rome just makes it a lot easier for you to get past that step and go straight to the introspection, which is the most important thing. And I take it that you were trying to do this with other apps as well. Like you previously mentioned, uh, even some apps where they have certain levels of rigidity or at least some levels of order or structure, it's great for many use cases. But sometimes when you want to review yourself, you might prefer something a little bit more seamless, a little bit more, shall we say, allowing for anyone to write notes uh, each and every day and to be able to recall them uh, over time. Because in the end, the way that you and I would write notes to talk to our future selves would be vastly different, but we want it to be valuable all the same. So
1: yes, outsourcing the recall. That is brilliant, Norman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you're using that uh, in, your, uh, in your course on teaching people on writing a note to your next day self, uh, do let me know and I will be uh, really grateful that you can use that. And on that note, not to make a pun out of it, uh, I know that you have your notes to next day self, which is something that I see quite a lot of uh, tweets uh, talking about it, which is fantastic. But let's just zoom out a little bit from there before we dive into something very specific like that system. What is your general workflow actually for using a room? Do you have a specific ritual where you start using it or is there a specific time of the day or is there really a template that you prefer to use?
1: I start with a, it's a pretty complex daily notes template. And I don't recommend that new users start with something with such great complexity. In fact, I've had to think about, uh, do I trim some things out? Because, oh, earlier this month, I was spending too much time journaling and not enough time actually working. So I had to say, okay, we're going to put some time constraints on this thing, and if I can't do this in 20 minutes every day, then some of my prompts have to go, even though they're effective, because journaling creep is a very real thing, and we can become addicted to the journaling piece, and, and then we're not actually doing the work or living the life that journaling is supposed to let us live. So, With that caveat, I'll share with you that my next day journal begins the afternoon before with my afternoon prompt, and I'll just go ahead and make out my template for the next day. I'll write the note to my next day self, and like you said, we can kind of get into that later, so that the next morning when I get up. I do my morning ritual, make the bed, give the dog his medicine, talk to my mom. You know, all of these, I call a pre-launch sequence. I uh, get, get blood flowing with my body and my old bones and make my coffee. And then when I get all of that done, I sit down for what I call my launch sequence. And the first thing I do is read that note to my next day self. And then I have a couple of prompts that kind of get my brain Moving the way I just got my body moving. The first thing is a note about today. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes it's how I slept. Um, sometimes it's I don't know. Just some kind of random. This morning was a little awkward because Winchester had a couple of issues, and so I make note about his health. Uh, and then, and then I have a, a three morning prompts. The first thing is, what are you looking forward to? And the second is, what are you dreading and why? There are days when I get up in the morning and the first thing I'm thinking about is that thing that I'm dreading today. So I know how I'm going to answer that one. But if I, if I answer the other question first, which is, what are you looking forward to? For whatever reason, this is a pattern I uncovered in Rome. I can say, I'm looking forward to being finished with whatever that thing is I'm dreading. And all of a sudden, oh wait, I can actually finish this thing and get it off my plate and stop writing about it. How exciting is that? So the next morning prompt is, uh, Dear Abba, I just write a letter to my creator. That's usually where my gratitude for the day kind of manifests itself. It's an opportunity for me to get outside myself, to pray for people I love, uh, to pray for myself throughout the day. Uh, And then the next thing that that I do in the morning is I really quickly go through readwise.io, that feed, talk about a magnificent journaling prompt. I'm able to go back through things that I've read in the past, thought was important, and then forgot about. And now I get to drag them up. And Lucas with Cortex Futura, in his course, talks about just-in-time reading. And I've I've kind of streamlined ReadWise.io, the things that I'm thinking about, the things that I'm writing about, mainly human behavior, and journaling right now because those are the things that I'm interested in uh, or the things that I'm emotionally struggling with. So I'll pull those up and I'll write a couple of things. How can this instruct me today? How can this instruct me next week? And those, those are really powerful things that I do. And I, I, I force myself to be done with that in 20 minutes and then I physically get up, come back here and do work for a couple of hours, like focus work. And that focus work then leads me into interstitial journaling. For me, that helps me track how well I'm focusing, what's distracting me and really how long I've been focused. And um, I keep an attribute for next up, or up next, something like that. When I'm really stuck or dreading something, I use that to create a sequence of ridiculously easy steps to get me started that usually begins with open Ulysses or open this Google Docs. The Google Docs will take you through how to do this thing. And before I know it, my ADHD brain is in check that stuff off mode. And then I'm deep into the project and then I don't, I leave Rome for a while. And then when I come back to it, um, I've got that dopamine rush because I've made progress on a thing. So that's kind of how my morning and throughout the day in Rome looks like.
0: Well, I am learning a lot here and I feel like I'm picking out a lot of behaviors and or elements of your routine that i might pick up for myself which Good. which is which is fantastic because i feel like i'm already learning a lot i hope it helps conversation yeah thank you really uh particularly about the up next system i never thought about it that way and i'm not one to say that i have add or anything like that but i do find it difficult to get past step one of doing a task i'm not sure if it's a combination of fear in that I don't want to do this or I don't want to waste my time or I'm scared of failing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. But whatever that reason may be, it exists and it is powerful enough that it's stopping me from taking step one. And really, it's just a matter of doing the easiest steps first, like open the software or open this file or just edit this episode. Oh, Even that is a bit too big because that happens to me a lot. So right, I might, I might even take that. This is, wow. Like, I feel like you've just given me a great skeletal outline of your day-to-day work, which is fantastic. I love this. (laughs)
1: Good. You know what what else is, is interesting, Norman? I like to be a checklist kind of person. But when I use a templated checklist for podcast production or whatever, it just seems so overwhelming to open that template. But if I actually write out in my interstitial what my next steps are in the moment, it seems that, that whatever that is, whether it's lack of clarity or resistance, uh, as Steven Pressfield calls it, whatever that is, it starts to sort of melt away because I know this next ridiculously thing is going to get me to where I need to go. Rather than looking at this massive checklist that I prepared months ago, and that just that feeds my overwhelm. And and I'll and I'll tell you this too: being diagnosed with ADHD at fifty years old was not fun, but it was also was also a relief because it it explained a lot. And in three to five year increments, as I age, in some ways, that ADHD brain gets more frustrating, but wisdom makes it easier because I have the tools to cope with it. And sometimes I give in to it.
0: And that is part one of my chat with Tracy Winchell. Hi, Norman. All right, Tracy. Yes, hello. We're back again. <laughs> I know, right? Let me close this blind. <laughs> how are you? Doing good. Uh, I just woke up uh, forty minutes ago, so it's like six twenty a.m. and you know, wake up, getting right into the room mood. So wow. this is going to be uh, this is going to be my coffee for the day. <laughs> how about, wow. How about you?
1: Well, my day is winding down. I've had a good, focused day, and uh, nice finished at a decent hour. I finished the first draft of a guest post for Rome Brain. Oh, uh, on the concept of our three selves. Uh, it still needs some work, but Francis is amazing, and I love that he has that active, hands-on editor role. You know, he he doesn't just say, yeah, okay, I'll publish it. He he knows what he's looking for. And so I'm looking forward to working with him on that.
0: Yeah, he is very constructive in how he interacts with a a lot of the writers for articles, because, yeah, I I sent in an article before and rather than the usual, oh, change this or, oh, let's just go with it. It was very conversational, at least from my point of view. In that there were lots of suggestions and feedback and more discussions on certain sections. He was like, okay, uh, we can probably work on the intro a little bit more because of the following. Da, 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 da. And, and then from there, we could flesh it out. And it was nice to know that yeah, instead of vomiting out what we know, we are subject to our own biases. When we are trying to teach people something or we are trying to give a perspective, sometimes that bias can lead us to... A little bit of a breakdown in communication or maybe mm-hmm. there are ways to improve and francis is there to save us right so i yeah. I, I really like how room brain does it <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah yeah i agree i'm i'm looking forward to it i i'm gonna learn a lot from the process i've never made a diagram before mm. i'm kind of nervous about that but he'll he's good at it and who better to teach me about that so anyway that's kind of that's the bulk of my day it's Always good to start the week with a finish.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's a great way to put it, actually. Yeah. Oh, I should write that down immediately. Oh, okay. Well, since we'll already write on it, it might as well. So this this article, uh, I'm now interested. You have caught my attention. And as usual, uh, what I call my coffee for the day is my own method of articulating things that are so interesting that I just want to deep dive into learning about them more. So what are these three selves that you speak of in your upcoming article?
1: Well, it's our past self, our Mm. present self, and our future self. And uh, Benjamin Hardy talks about it a lot in, in his book, Personality Isn't Permanent. When I started talking to him about this note I write to my next day self, he gave me a pretty spectacular quote about when we learn to accept our past selves and to know that even if we messed up in a colossal way, or maybe we just think we messed up, there's a big difference there, but they're both true that once our current self accepts that our past self was doing the best we could now we have the opportunity to show a lot more empathy for our past selves and i kind of ran with that that idea in so doing we learn to have empathy for other people which for me, resentment is a big deal. It's easy for me to resent other people and institutions and situations. Frankly, that doesn't do anybody any good. So that relationship we have with our past self is a big deal, and I'm not nearly as eloquent as, as uh, Dr. Hardy was in our interview and certainly not in his book. But here's here's the point of his book is that once we show great empath for our past selves, now we can see how far we've come today. And as we accept today as it is, and we see the great potential of our future selves because of the gap of who we used to be versus who we are now – our today selves now have this incredible opportunity to make good decisions in the moment to become our future selves that we see great potential in. And, and James Clear talks a lot about this, about how our identities are wrapped up in what we do today, our habits.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really like that section. Uh, I've also interviewed uh, Dr. Hardy, so I guess that we might have been uh, in his really extensive and amazing uh, podcasting tour and hearing Ben talk a lot about the future self, which is an incredibly difficult narrative to confront for any individual because we can never reach our future intended selves without first, like you said, confronting the past and accepting it through our current selves. Um, Even thinking about the future self is so difficult, like extremely Mm -hmm. difficult. And we tend to lower ourselves or fall towards a system where we can ease that burden of thinking about where do I want to be in the future? And it's to the point where we would outsource our narrative or outsource our identity. To other things. Like in the book, he mentioned lots and lots of personality tests and that there are myths. And (laughs) these are packaged identities that we just outsource our explanations of our lives to so that we can ease the burden of doing that ourselves. Instead of trying to create our own custom test or instead of trying to fully sit down in a room, stay quiet and think, who am I and why am I here? which are very difficult questions to answer, of course, for anybody. It just looks like an attractive option or a better option to just outsource that to a test, as opposed to writing these ourselves. And I guess that's where journaling comes in. So if you're thinking about your future self in that way, how does Rome fit into that workflow where you have to really reflect on where you want to go? I would love to hear your take on this, especially because there are so many ways to even consider what's your take on going towards a great future self and how does Rome fit into that?
1: Well, I think Rome fits because we have this amazing ability to, to just project forward things that we want our future selves to remember. So that's that's kind of the first thing. It's easy for me to stumble across in the future something that I've said and I know there has to be a way for me to also intersect a future emotion and time with that. I haven't figured it out yet, but smarter people are working on it and I'm going to jump on board when they figure that out. You know, just through tagging and pages and And confronting emotions. So I think that's incredibly powerful. It's evident in the note I write to my next day self, but it's also evident in my readwise.io practice. I had all of these uh, professional and personal and spiritual development books from years ago in my Kindle These were things I was going to be and do and learn and remember. And they got stuck. You know, Lucas with Cortex Futura calls it um, highlight dementia, right? And ReadWise.io suddenly gave me the ability to not just recall a few of those texts in bite-sized chunks every day, which is a just-in-time reading practice. Thank you, Lucas. But it also gives me a just-in-time emotion. So I can pull up a quote, paste it into Rome, and now I'm forcing myself to think about this wisdom from James Clear or Ben Hardy or Brennan Manning, or whoever else. And I get to take a quote and say, wait a minute, how, how does this apply to me? And I'm building this series of diagnostics. Like, here's an example. Let me, I not plan on pulling this up, but if you'd like, I'll show you a, an example from this morning. In fact,
0: uh, sure. if you don't mind,
1: <laughs> sometimes yeah, these sure.
0: tend to be. Vulnerable, so I, I I tend to not ask people to share their screen. But if you're up for it, <laughs> let
1: me pull it up. I, I was really excited about the one this morning. It's it's a spiritual matter, and I know that's not everybody's thing, and that's that's fine. But it met me where I was this morning. In fact,
0: though that is the point of just in time wisdom, right? It's yeah, meant yeah, to yeah. meet you at the right opportune moment. And yeah. this is especially apparent when we have loads of different kinds of consumers of books or consumers of nonfiction where even if a book is amazing, full of insights, full of amazing wisdom, if you're not in the right moment to fully absorb it, then it's not that yeah. it's a bad book, its relevance is lower to you as compared to ready. other book- Yeah.
1: Okay, so... um Sorry, podcast listeners, you can't see this, <laughs> <laughs> but Norm can. And I call this my reflecting pool. So uh, I get about three quotes, and most of them actually make it into my Roam database from my readwise.io feed. Right now, I'm doing it manually. I've been testing the integration feature, but manually just kind of really forces me to think about it hmm. so i got this quote from Brennan manning the book is all is grace Brennan manning has, is a fascinating guy by the way he's a former united states marine turned monk or maybe it was in the reverse order and anyway he's just a fascinating guy so he writes carlos Correto wrote we are what we pray these are days of prayer without ceasing. Help me, have mercy on me. And my father, who is so very fond of me, does. Well, one of my morning routines is a Dear Abba letter. It's just a really quick letter to my creator. It's an acknowledgement there. What this quote led me to were these writings. It's an interesting approach to reviewing my Dear Abba prayers. So the first question is, what have I been consistently praying for and about? Am I filled with thanksgiving and gratitude? If I'm not, you know, that's a problem. Am I praying for myself? And that's, I need to review that without judgment. It's not a right or a wrong thing. if I'm praying for myself what am I praying for is it mindset or time management is it my attitude that's pretty frequent I think is it for growth of any sort is it that I'm feeling some sort of pain or fear or anxiety am I thirsty for spiritual growth am I seeking mental health or physical health and then My last question that I came up with in this reflection this morning, are my prayers filled with lament or hope or thoughts of others? Are my prayers filled with confusion, anger, or frustration? And and that's the thing in, in a spiritual practice. It took me my entire adult life to understand that if my God is my God and my creator, and I believe he is, then isn't it okay to take everything to him? Isn't he big enough to handle me being really pissed off right now? Mm. Can't he handle a few cuss words because I'm so emotional in the moment? And I think, yes. So I was fascinated by this quote. And so this guy, finally gets back to the other part of your question about who is the person I want to become. I want to become as fully aware as possible. And we've talked about the serenity prayer and what that means to me. And if you don't mind, I really just like to say it. Um, I'm not reading it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking (laughs) as Jesus did this sinful world as it is and not as I would have it. So that I know you will make all things right. If I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Okay, so I butchered that just for a little bit. But you get the idea. If I can use journaling and roam to become that person who has the expectation of reasonable happiness, if I can be that person who accepts the world as it is, not as I would have it, If I can learn to trust a power outside myself, then I'm going to have a pretty darn good life no matter what the world throws at me, right?
0: Mm, I see. Well, Rome really does help with reflecting, one, on this prayer, and two, your relationship with the creator, which is... uh, pretty fascinating to me because we're going to the point where we are not only facing ourself and how do we define uh, the future version of ourself where we want to go but also where does this creator fit into our life and how does it yep. influence our thoughts each and every day and i like that you call it a reflecting pool that's really important <laughs> because being able to articulate it that way as if it's a mirror it's yeah. one way to prevent hoarding of quotes and or information and not really applying it having a very high touch way of looking at this quote and thinking how can I use it it's very very important very very important especially when you are using a quote which looks like oh well it's quite obvious from the screen that is very relevant to how you start your day journaling which Mm -hmm. is the most emotional, sensitive, vulnerable part of the day. Yet this quote plays such a huge part of it. I I love it. I I love that. I love, I love being able to see the gradual deconstruction and the reconstruction of your thoughts and really facing your thoughts or facing these questions that you have uh, in your head each and every day. Beyond any religious factor or anything like that, it, it, it's just extremely healthy for the soul. And Rome really does help with that. I love it.
1: <laughs> I agree. And what's fun is I get to grab quotes from all sorts of people. You know, Ryan Holiday openly struggles with what his faith in a higher power looks like. But he's actually one of my favorite 12-step authors Because he talks a lot about the 12 steps and a higher power. And in stillness is the key, he talks a a lot about the importance of letting go and finding a higher power, something outside yourself to believe in. Even if you're not sure about God or who God is, he talks about how healthy it is to, to do that. And the interesting thing is that Uh, in this morning's reflecting pool i have two brennan manning quotes brennan manning also was an alcoholic and so this guy's lived a fascinating life no matter what your journey is about i highly recommend just kind of checking him out Mm. but the other quote from this morning is ryan holiday you know stoic philosopher of of the modern day and I just love the ability to take all sorts of different ideas and they go together so well. They set the intention. Yeah, I think you've articulated in a better way than I what this journaling practice does for me. It's hands-on, how am I going to use this information today right now and Rome gives us the ability then to throw this into my future the way I've done with with this diagnostic like I think we talked before about I don't particularly like doing a review I want to want to review my work but I don't actually like to review my work (laughs) I don't know I just have a resistance to it and so I now have the the ability to force my future self to have a look at some of these things. And I now have a template for some sort of a review when I'm struggling.
0: Yeah. And having this net to fall uh, into, especially if you're struggling, helps so much. Like creating your own, what, what is the word for it? Counselor or creating your own therapist. Um, it's great. Like having this tool here. And on, on that note, since you've built this uh, for yourself, the ability to, one, reflect on yourself and to pull in sources that add greater power or a greater value uh, to your daily journaling practice. How has it been for teaching this to other people? Like, were there a lot of conflicts or struggles with introducing the system to other people and maybe that, that had issues with how they have either viewed journaling or viewed journaling or self-introspection through Rome?
1: Well, that, that's an ongoing dialogue. I, I have an email list of, of subscribers who are interested in my journaling habits, and I, I I have no idea how to introduce this part of my tribe to Rome. Mm. There's a segment who is on Twitter, and so they know I've got this thing going on, they're asking occasional questions but I'm clearly not articulating it well because they changed the subject pretty quickly <laughs> so I'm just being honest I don't I don't know what that's going to look like mm. the cool thing is is that I can continue to teach journaling with a pen and paper or yeah. whatever but I'm not sure where that's headed. I want it to go somewhere, but I'm not sure that it matters right now Mm -hmm. because inside Rome, there are a lot of people who are teaching me a lot of things and it's really supercharging my journaling practice. And the beauty is that I can contribute in this community with a lot of curiosity. And right now, I think that's enough.
0: Yeah, it's journaling is universal. Even if you try to do this through Rome, not everyone will be on board with the tool, or not everyone will agree with how it's done, and that's perfectly fine. And it's nice to know that even if Rome did or did not exist, you can still teach other people to journal. That's yes, it's important because we've been doing this for thousands of years. Like. Marcus Aurelius has been doing journal entries for himself through pen and paper. It's not like he had Rome to do some bi-directional linking between each of his... uh,
1: He had a different Rome.
0: A different kind of Rome, an actual physical Rome, the the city itself. (laughs) Though if you could have a graph that is as interconnected as a city, that would be a whole other story uh, altogether. But being able to consistently build the habit of journaling just as Marcus Aurelius would do and also have such a profound impact on yourself through these entries is the end goal for any form of journaling practice and i guess it's just a matter of trying to articulate that right how do i replicate this feeling in rome through to pen and paper how do i make the connections how do i connect the dots between the different days where i have this emotion i think a few yeah. a few episodes ago Uh, Michael Ashcroft was introducing the system where you would have link references for specific phrases. So I don't know, I want, I feel, I fear, and I'm scared or even just scared or these emotions. And that is one of many angles in trying to create a narrative or recognize the pattern between the days where you feel this way. And that could maybe help in trying to articulate that because to me, it looks like journaling through Rome is one of the ways to have all the cards on the table and just view you, all your emotions at macro level. Normally with other systems, you tend to stick with one day and you're stuck on that one page for the entirety of the day. And then that's it. The the limitations in connecting Certain phrases or certain certain key points of that day—they're not as extensive as they would with other tools, like other network uh, thought tools. So that's where Roam has an advantage. Maybe there's a way to articulate that better uh, than my current rambling, but we'll see.
1: (laughs) Check this out. Yeah. So these are some of my analog journals, and you can tell I've gone to a lot of trouble to tag and flag some of my entries and they're 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 highlighted and all of this stuff and i got these out the other day because i promised a coaching client that i would share with him some of the things that are in here and i don't want to look at them (laughs) why i don't know It just seems too hard to browse and Rome is incredibly different instead of me looking at a different colored flag and my own handwriting, which is kind of interesting. The idea is interesting, Hmm. but I can actually do a quick search and know exactly what I'm looking for and what I said about what on what day. And everything else I've ever put into Rome about that particular topic or emotion, this looks cooler, but journaling in Rome has much greater value to me.
0: I mean, having physical books has always been a better aesthetic than just staring at this screen where you just have lots of text going down um. But I I know what you mean by that. Uh, I have like, well, behind me, there's a drawer and I have my notebooks from the last, say, five, six years. And they're of different sizes. They have post-it notes in between, maybe postcards, um, highlights, you know, the task list and reflection, then maybe pieces and poetry, et cetera. Lots of different things.
1: So do you review them?
0: very rarely at most it's not even a reflection it's more like browsing for fun the way that i would articulate it would be i would like to meet my past self from 2015 maybe it was a triggered memory from this morning where i was thinking about like fun memories or a specific emotion that i felt during that time or i was in a location where i felt more of myself i just wanted to you know take a walk down memory lane and the best way to do that is through my notebook. That's not really a reflective moment. It's it's very akin to Facebook's memory system where, oh, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, five years ago you were doing this or something like that. It's more like a little bit of euphoria, a bit of fun. And I'm looking back at it. It wasn't to the point where I wanted to reflect on the past five years. Let's go through all of these notebooks and see what can come out of it. I wasn't really, I'm never really in that kind of mood because the first step to actually initiating that for me would be to write an entry now and then reflect back towards yeah. how I was back then a few years ago. Yes. And then maybe I might refer to the notebook. Maybe. Maybe. But out of the oh, I love that out of the ten times that I did that, I think I would only do that like two times. Like I would, you know, yeah. have my laptop on and then I'd be writing an entry about, oh, who was I when I was in twenty fifteen? I was being like this, I was pretty immature, I treated people really badly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I might have the notebook right next to me and I would look at certain entries. I might quote my past self, like, I wrote this and this. What was I really trying to say? If we get really empirical, mm. what was I really trying to say? What kind of emotions were were being articulated in this point? What was I going through at that point in time that compelled me to write the following in this old notebook? And how should I look at it now? Which is going back to what Dr. Hardy was saying about accepting our past selves. So it's this constant yes. feedback loop of making sure that your past self is here with you. and. You are having kind of a meeting with them, really trying to understand what they are saying or what they were saying
1: oh, through I these love books. That. So, holding these in my hand these are pocket-sized Baron Fig notebooks, and they are full. Yeah, and they have tabs on them, little sticky notes, and and they're they're just it's a deeply satisfying experience. To look at them and to hold them and know that I worked hard on on these, but I don't want to read them. <laughs> I don't want to browse through them and look at them, but I'm going to have to because I'm, I said I would.
0: Is it less on reading about your past self and more on the friction of trying to find something of value because you have to flip through 200 pages? of notes where the pages could have been about anything unless you have a really good format to like keep track of everything but
1: if if i'm being honest it's probably a little of both because mm. i can do more than read my emotion in my handwriting i experience my emotion i remember generally where i was because i add a little context in there mm. Um, was I in a coffee shop? Was I at home? Um, and, and I, I can experience that emotion through my handwriting. So I think it's probably a little bit of both that, that I, I may not want to have that visceral reaction. I may not want that trigger of the negative side. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and, and you know what, if I'm being real honest, Norman, maybe I don't want to experience the feelings of the, the hope because I'd much rather keep my head down and keep working to keep building that off that momentum. I have trouble celebrating victories, Always have, and only in the past couple of years have I started to work on that. So, yeah, it's. I think it's all of the above.
0: What does victory mean to you if it makes it very difficult for you to celebrate it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's I, very difficult for even for me as well. But, yeah, please go on.
1: I, I you know... <laughs> I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, and I know not everybody is, but my favorite baseball team is the St. Louis Cardinals. And baseball is about stories. And yesterday, my favorite pitcher turned 39 years old. That's an old man when it comes to baseball. He threw a complete game. He threw 122 pitches, and guys just don't do that anymore. He gave up four hits, two runs, and he pitched to a guy he's pitched to for 15 years who, who appeared in his 2000th game. Adam Wainwright is the pitcher. Yadier Molina is, is the catcher. Yadier Molina, in the interview later, said he was so excited about catching his old friend Adam on his birthday that he couldn't sleep the night before. Adam Wainwright said after the win, after the complete game, he went into the batting cage and he cried. That to me encapsulates how I feel whenever I'm on a team or accomplish an individual thing. It is an emotional release. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it's euphoria. It's deeply emotional. It it's satisfying, but all of the work that gets poured into a thing just comes pouring out. It just seems unbelievable. So that's my reaction every time I've experienced something overwhelmingly positive.
0: It's akin to releasing a flood of tears, not from sadness, but from relief.
1: Yeah, it probably yeah. is more relief than joy.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's your definition of victory then at that point, or a success. Not that... You revel in the moment where it has been completed or it has happened, but rather that is the intersection where you have met your past self, who is someone who has worked so hard to get to this point and your current self, which has achieved this point. So it's the realization that you can rest assured, like you say, rest assured to your past self that we have reached our intended future versions by achieving yeah. this victory like this yeah this victory is now evidence that we were going in the right direction and we cry from relief as a result rather than joy
1: well and then yes there is the what do i do next mm. because the pursuit is over that pursuit brought meaning to my life and a couple of times i'm I'm looking at a a thing on my wall that's evidence of a hard-won victory with a tremendous team. And I can remember how depressed I was for about three months because I didn't know where to pour my, my energy into my emotions. And I think developing a consistent journaling practice since then helps me a lot. I think that's why it's so important. Um, you know, uh, and, and I think it's why I read a lot of Stoicism, a lot of Stoic philosophy, because there is that importance of just kind of staying even all the way through. And that's important for me.
0: I'm seeing, I like this. I'm seeing these uh, similar patterns of um, Stoicism or of wisdom from from religious sources uh, all combining into one place to really isn't
1: that fascinating yeah
0: it is it really is it's just making these link references or connections or whichever word that we use to describe it but these pieces of knowledge glued together with the essence of our souls to propel us towards wherever we want to go and just hearing that through conversation is always so fascinating like no matter where you get it from, it's so cool.
1: And isn't that the fun part of Rome? Because right now I'm doing a lot of connection between human behavior, mental health, um, and and the 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 faith and the philosophy. But I think my next deep dive is going to be uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Stoicism, and probably some sort of Faith that I'm not familiar with at all. And I'm not sure what that third piece is going to be, but I want to do a trilogy of comparisons of teachings that keep us centered. Mm. And and Rome can help facilitate that, I think, you know?
0: Yeah, being able to blend all of that into through your unique lens will make it. A very interesting and unique uh, rabbit hole to deep dive into. <laughs> so I'm sure that in a couple of months, uh, once you have created this amazing summary or conclusion or reached the end point of this rabbit hole and crying out of relief that, wow, you have won- gone through such an amazing journey of learning more about ourselves, our human selves, the articulation of lessons that we should carry with us uh, throughout life. I think that'll be pretty uh, fascinating to see if we can revisit that uh, in a later conversation. But uh, for now, I would love to uh, close off this conversation with a few questions right at the end. So Tracy, first question, how would you describe Rome to someone who hasn't started using it yet?
1: Well, clearly I'm not very good at that because (laughs) every person I've tried to talk to about it, their eyes glaze over. I think for me, Rome is a place to play with ideas. It is an idea and word playground. And when we throw ideas and words into it, now we're dealing with Um, emotional energy and intellect and all sorts of emotions. So it's more to me than, than words or ideas. It's deeply emotional.
0: And that is really tied in with the second question, which is what does Rome mean to you? But I'm assuming that the answers pretty much overlap unless you have something to add to that.
1: Yeah, I think it's the. I think I think Rome is uh, the center. It's the hub of a community of people that I just I, I I just have to pinch myself that people are finding value in my weird ideas. Wow. <laughs>
0: Of course, finding a place or a corner for ourselves to really convey the ideas that we have in our heads Mm -hmm. makes it a lot warmer, a lot more welcoming, uh, especially with a tool like Rome, which is very versatile and very universal since you are doing it for journaling. We can be doing it for any other use case, but in the end, what we are doing or what we are meant to do in this world is the pursuit of conveying everything that we are trying to do for ourselves. So... On that note, Tracy, thank you so much. If we want to reach out to you or to contact you about anything that we talked about in this conversation, which split into two parts, but I'm gonna to try to blend it all together. Uh, what is the best way to do that? How do we contact you?
1: Uh DMs are open on Twitter, T-R-A-C-Y-P-L-A-C-E-S.
0: Okay. Twitter, it is. And I've never I've never got to ask you this actually even in part one or part two, but how do I say your last name? (laughs) Winchell. Winchell. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Standard operating procedure for podcasts is to ask how to pronounce your name, but I was so excited to talk to you that I completely forgot to do that, which is uh, my bad. That's okay. And uh, on that note, is there anything that you want to add? Or if not, I'll see you on Twitter. I'm
1: humbled and grateful to get to hang out with you, Norman. <laughs> it is so much fun to talk to you. And you're one of those guys where it, if, if I would just seen you on the interwebs, I would have thought there is no way I can hang with this cool cat. <laughs> and here we are, we've had two conversations and thank you for bearing with our technical difficulties and, and, and i really look forward to watching you grow and learn and teach others and um what a gift it is to know you and so many other rome people thank
0: you thank you so much and i i honestly really appreciative of rome cult too to compel me to make this show in the first place because these conversations are are liquid gold um not only for myself but to publish it to other people and just hearing these comments from other people, just um, learning more about the tool or facing themselves in writing better now that it unlocks more possibilities uh, with, you know, not only journaling, but just writing down thoughts in general, the activity of writing down thoughts. So Thank you, the that I really, I really do appreciate that. And uh, on that note, uh, thank you, and I will see you on Twitter. Thank you, Norman. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app. And for a full version of the show notes to this episode, you can check out the public Rome graph. The link to that will be in the description right below. For more updates, comments, feedback, and suggestions, you can reach out to me at Rome FM on Twitter keep roaming your thoughts and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.